Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The offside rule, we get it, is brought to you by Continental Tyres. A very warm welcome to the Offside Rule. We get it. It's the hangover after the party. And what better way for myself and Lindsay Hooper to spend it than in the sun on the King's Road with a pizza. Yes, we're at an Italian restaurant, all in aid of Leicester City. (laughs) They love an Italian and so do we. We certainly do. Congratulations to Leicester, the first top flight title in their history. In fact, here's a little stat for you. No team with fewer title medal holders in its side has won the Premier League since Blackburn in 1995. We knew the odds were stacked against them. I doubted them. I thought injury might scupper them, but you had every faith in them, Lindsay. I did have some faith in them. I didn't know that they would actually go and win the entire league. I I actually claimed Champions League football for them quite early on. I thought they'd get Champions League. But to actually be champions, it's a remarkable story, and it's one that we will never see again. I don't think we will. It's incredible. I'm so pleased for everyone who are Leicester City fans, but also people that have followed this story who are maybe football neutrals. We're always wanting people to fall in love with the sport that we love. And I think this year, people will have gone along with the ride of Leicester City. 132 years, their history. Nothing like this has happened before. And also, they're only the sixth team that have won the Premier League. And nobody would have thought that they'd win it before Liverpool. Sorry to rub that in, Kate. <laughs> Thanks. You look at those sorts of stats, and it's incredible. Um, like what you say, they only had Robert Huth, who was a winner in the side. Claudio Ranieri, who's coming towards the end of his managerial career, 30 years, not won a title anywhere else, but he's done it in the English Premier League, probably the toughest league that there is. Typically, as we're sat on the King's Road here, outside a pizza restaurant munching on some uh, margarita, the most amount of trucks that I've ever seen in in the world have rolled up next to us, so apologies for the uh, traffic noise. Um, I landed on Monday night from France on a plane. We all switched on our phones, and, of course, lots of us getting those news alerts through that uh, Tottenham and Chelsea had drawn and Leicester had won the league, and it was one of those defining moments where everyone has that united feeling of a good thing has happened, you know, something's happened for the good guys, and the whole plane was chattering about it. And those are defining moments for me in sport when even if you're just a casual observer, even if you don't really know what it means, you're excited that something different has happened. Early on in the season, I got sent to Leicester City a few times. Three times I've covered them this season. Each time, it was so memorable for different reasons. They had Kasabian on the pitch performing the one-time pre-match. There was the tie owners landing in the helicopter. I was actually there for the Remembrance Day special, and there was also um, the match ball delivered by helicopter that day. Some great spectacles, nothing more than what was actually happening on the pitch. Our pizzas arrived, Kate. I'm very excited about this. Uh, We've got a margarita. We've gone all plain and uh, ordinary. I'm sure the Leicester boys are going for the the meat feast. (laughs) Now that the, the season's over, they can go on the beach, but that's a big pizza. <laughs> it certainly is, if you can hear the clatter of crockery. In fact, I am told that much. true Italians eat pizza without much fuss. Coming back to the, the covering of Leicester City um, in my job, it's quite funny that for the first half of the season, I, I was given these trips up to Leicester from London a few times. But the last interview I did was with Wes Morgan, the captain, and it would have been round about Christmas time. And I said, this is actually unbelievable. You're very much on a, an ascendancy. It feels like the momentum's with you. Are you 
you starting to dream? And I asked him that question back then and he just said, we're going to keep going, but we're not ruling anything out. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that if you don't get overwhelmed by something, you don't get that mental mm. block, which I think everyone thought was going to happen, you keep united as a team performance. This goes down in history. And the one thing is, Jamie Vardy's name will come up. Riyad Mahrez as, as PFA Player of the Year will come up. But ultimately, down the line, I think it's all going to be about the team. It won't be about individuals. Well, that's how Ranier has done it, isn't it? It's all about team unity. And I think you're absolutely right. This team will go down in history. And it's an interesting one to look back on as well. You know, first the underdogs. You know, first trying to not get relegated. Then the underdogs when they started to do really, really well. And then just not appearing to fall foul of the pressure at all. At no point did I ever think Leicester were under any pressure. Um, I'll remind you that you're listening to The Offside Rule. We get it with myself, Kate Borsey and Lindsay Hooper. I'll tell you what's coming up on today's show. Just to let you know, uh, we're supported by the lovely Continental Tyres, getting you to the game safely. Thanks for their support throughout this season. Uh, a couple more podcasts still to go from us, so this is by no means it, folks. But for the show today, let me tell you what's coming up. The return of Sue Smith. Uh, she's going to be filling us in. Manchester City on fire in the Women's Super League at the moment. Yeah, I was at that game 6-0. It's actually a record score for them. They had a 6-1 scoreline last season, but they've actually surpassed that. Over 2,000 people as well watching. It was just constant pressure, constant attack after attack from Manchester City women, and I really worry for Doncaster Bells, Sue Smith's team. And she was at the game as well, so she's going to be taking us through that game and uh, give, us, give us an update on how the rest of the teams in the WSL are doing. We're also, talking of Jamie Vardy, going to be RSVPing to the Vardy party. So we get some invites that we can dish out to some people who should be at that Vardy party. Who do we want to put in there and why? I might have an Italian theme for that one too. Oh, OK. Uh, snakes and ladders, lots to play for. Lots decided, actually, uh, down the leagues, but lots still to play for. So we're going to chew through some of the stats, some of the recent form figures, and have a look at who's still in contention to go up or down and who might do it. Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. But let's start this podcast off with a gift from the club gods. We talked about Leicester winning that fantastic Premier League title, but what about the other teams? Burnley. Yeah. Done really well. Yeah, Burnley. Now, they have secured an immediate return back to the Premier League. They did that at the weekend. Wigan, they will be playing in the Championship next season. Rangers, they're in the Scottish Premiership, back in the Scottish Premiership, top flight for the first time in a little while after having a terrible four years, it has to be said. Northampton, they're going to be playing in League One from next season, and Cheltenham return to League Two. So I'd like, along with Leicester, we can add them in, into the mix, us to pick two teams each who have already secured promotion this season and bring back one player from the past as a reward. So you get any pick of a past player from that team. Should we start with Leicester? Yeah, and I think we should both do Leicester because um, this is our Vardy party. It's our pizza party anyway. So we'll both look back in, um, in the ranks at Leicester City's former players. Gordon Banks, so um, 1966 World Cup winner. I actually met him. Um, when I was at Liverpool Football Club. Lovely, lovely man. Big hands, as you'd expect <laughs> from a goalkeeper. Uh, huge. They signed uh, Banks from Chesterfield for £7,000 in 1959, did Leicester. And with him, between the sticks, they reached the 61 and the 
63 FA Cup finals. They lost out in those finals to Manchester United and Spurs in each one, but he still put in fantastic performances in the run-up to that. He clinched silverware with the Foxes in 1964. Any older downloaders to this podcast might remember the League Cup, a 4-3 win on aggregate over Stoke City. That was 1964, going back to the darker ages. I have to say that Kasper Schmeichel, I don't think he'd lose his place um, in this team that's uh, been title winners to Gordon Banks because that's how good a season he's had. But you can't ignore the former England number one. And I wonder if Kasper Schmeichel will follow in Gordon Banks' footsteps and actually become a number one for his national team, but also um, become a regular and, and maybe win other silverware at Leicester. Or will he follow in his dad's footsteps and go to Manchester United? Who knows? We should wait and see how the season plays out. Stephen Walsh, there are two Stephen Walshes in Leicester's history. One in the current history, of course, the scout responsible for Kante, Vardy and a few other players. I'm going to talk about a different Steve Walsh, though. I'm going to talk about the defender and emergency striker, sometime emergency striker Steve Walsh, um, who was at the club throughout the 90s. He secured promotion to the Premier League twice for the club in his time there. First of all, when he scored twice against local rivals Derby to get them to the league back there in the early 90s and then again when he scored the winner in the 120th minute what a time to do it against Crystal Palace in the 95-96 playoff final that meant that they were back in the Premier League for the 96-97 season he was captain fantastic for that period of time perhaps before now Leicester's most successful period of time under Martin O'Neill that he was fantastic for the team his contribution to the team and in terms of getting them to where they needed to be in the in the top flight he was integral to that if you're talking about that period of time as well, we must mention Muzzy it, Turkish midfielder who really set the Foxes alight in that campaign under Martin O'Neill. He actually, as part of the side, helped the club to four successive top ten finishes in the Premier League, also clinched two League Cups during his time with the club as well. I'm really struggling to eat pizza and talk, <laughs> but I will carry on. I, I haven't even attempted to eat the pizza yet. All right, well, that's Leicester done. Two other teams then, Lindsay. A quick word on who you'd like to bring back and a couple of quick lines on why as we steam through everything that we've got to get through in today's podcast so if those teams promoted who are you picking and who are you bringing back Right, I'm going to put the pizza down for this one. It's getting serious. Uh, Burnley, uh, congratulations to the Carrots. Sean Dyche, what an achievement he's had. Because many who would have thought, you know, the first time he got promotion with Burnley, was it just their time? Was it fate? Mm. Actually, to go have a plan from the start of the season, see it through, hats off to him and all the players. Um, many plaudits as well going to Joey Barton, who's really pulled his socks up at Burnley and shown everyone that he is still Premier League material. So going into the Premier League, looking back over their history, who would fit in this Burnley side nowadays? Who would be worthy of being champions? You have to say Jimmy Adamson. I'm going back somewhat. <laughs> should I be reaching around for my slippers? You should. Um, Sir Bobby Charlton said he was amazed that he never played for England. He is one of those forgotten players when it comes to, to national sides. But for Burnley, he will never be forgotten. For 176 appearances for the club. It makes him the sixth in the club's all-time appearance list. He was captain. He played every single game when Harry Potts Burnley became league champions in 1959-60. They lifted the title that year by one point on the last day of the season. There has always been drama in the Premier League and before it was called the Premier League. All right, well, listen, after a terrible 
all four years, Rangers back in the Scottish Premiership. Mark Warburton's done a great job there, guiding them back to the top flight. So I'm going to look to Rangers. I'm going to bring someone back from Rangers past. Now, when Warburton's been asked about how they and whether they can compete in the top flight of Scottish football, he said, look, we need to be tougher than ever. And uh, we need to think about mental toughness, but also physical toughness as well. Um, he's also bemoaned, by the way, the increased gap in the spending power of English and Scottish clubs. It's been, of course, going on for quite a while, but he said, look, what is the history of Scottish football here if the English clubs are going to have, and even more so from next season, we know that as it all filters down, increased spending power. When we look for toughness, I was thinking about John Gregg from uh, Rangers Pass, but instead I'm going to go with their biggest foreign import to help Mark Warburton believe that they have got the spending power of the English clubs and to bring back a glamour signing um, for Rangers back in the day. He played over 100 times, scored 33 goals, was known for his performance in the 96 Scottish Cup final where he scored two goals and set up three. That was his final, um, Brad Laudrup's final, very much. Really illustrious career, attacking midfielder. Um, and I think his contribution to Rangers and the fact that, 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 that he was a star name for them. You know, he is, he's a name that everyone associates with Rangers in terms of a heyday in terms of being at the top of their game. So, yeah, went on to play for Bayern Munich, AC Milan, etc., etc. Um, but Brian Laudrup is who I'm going to bring back to Rangers. Looking at Northampton Town, I'm going with Barry Lines because Barry Lines, we've got to go back again. We're talking um, the 1965-66 season, but that was the only season that the Cobblers have ever spent in the top flight of English football, which is why I've gone back to that time. But another interesting spin, if you tie it into this current year, Barry Lines, he made history, he became the first player to play and score in all four divisions for the same club. But not only that, that season, the Cobblers, the only double that they did was against which club do you think which would be quite fitting for this season Leicester no <laughs> Aston Villa oh, okay. they did the double against Aston Villa and their paths have never crossed since it's played to one two for Northampton and they think their paths have never crossed they might might be crossing soon haven't they Aston Villa on the way down Northampton on the way up yes enticing I hope it doesn't go that badly for Aston Villa though I hope they don't catapult down the leagues anyway uh, we move on I'm going to go for Wigan as my next club to try and poach someone from the past and not that much into the past either. Antonio Valencia, I think we forget about Antonio Valencia's oh, yeah. history and that he was signed by Wigan in 2006 for around £350,000. Can you believe that? That fee rose up to a couple of million pounds, played as the centre midfielder, occasionally on the wing as well. Look, the DW loved him, his work rate and his ability to get stuck in. He wasn't just some delicate foreign import, you know, he was prepared to get stuck in and that's still in his game now, I know. 2009, what happened? Sold to Manchester United. That was for around kind of 16.6 million. Wigan kept 15 million of that. So in wow. terms of helping them get back on track, he was essential to that. Perhaps biggest return on a signing, Antonio Valencia. And I'm going to take him back to the club as bit of a thank you. I'm going to point out to our listeners that I'm just on my third piece of pizza and you've not even had any yet. I, I just, I, I can't eat pizza and run this podcast. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like this is what we should be doing. It's what Jamie Vardy would want. It's what Claudio would want. Um, okay, I'm going to take a breather. Whilst we get our chops around the pizza, let's hear from Sue Smith with her women's football update. The female take on football. Hello everyone. Here's my weekly WSL roundup. I'm going to start with top of the league, Manchester City. They have started with an impressive five wins and five clean sheets. 
City played Sunderland on Friday night. I went and I have to say it's the coldest I've been in a long time. But it didn't seem to affect the players. City won 2-0 with goals from Nikita Paris in the first half and substitute Tony Duggan in the second half. Sunderland did have chances, but Man City dominated the game, so deserved winners. The second game of the bank holiday weekend was against my team, Doncaster Bells. And despite us going into the game really positive, thinking that we could get a result, Man City again showed their quality and maybe we showed our inexperience at that level. The game finished 6-0 to Manchester City. And most impressive part was that it was six different goal scorers. The team were ruthless and passed the ball around better than any other team that I've seen in the league. Next up, Arsenal. They played out a nil-nil draw at home to Birmingham. This was a fair result as both teams had spells where they dominated the game. Arsenal are very much underperforming with their quality on and off the field. They should be competing with the top two. But I think Pedro, the manager, is struggling with the amount of players he has and how to keep all of that quality happy. I went to the Notts County Liverpool game yesterday and it's one of the most entertaining games so far this season. Well, for the neutral anyway. Notts County went 3-0 up. Three goals from Ellen White, she got two, and Jess Clark. All of the goals really well taken. And I've got to say, Ellen White was outstanding with her work rate and her endeavour and obviously two quality finishes as well. She helped her team secure the three points. It didn't all go for Notts County the way that they wanted. In the second half, Liverpool did score two goals through Katie Zellum and they missed a penalty at 2-0, which could have changed the game. But I think 3-2 was a fair result as Notts, for the majority of the game, were the better team. The last game I'm going to talk about is Reading against Sunderland. That finished one all goals from who else but Beth Mead and Helen Ward, who equalised for Reading. Both teams still looking for their first three points of the season. Already the league has two runaway leaders, Man City and Chelsea. I actually can't see any other teams catching them. But football's a funny old game, so you never know. That's all for now. See you next week. As I mop the pizza off my brow, we'll say thanks very much to Sue Smith. Who'd have thought it? Manchester City absolutely impenetrable this season so far and Arsenal struggling. It's hotting up in the WSL and don't forget you can catch WSL action, of course, after the football season's over. A thing to mention about City is that they've not even conceded a goal. So that is, uh, as Sue pointed out, going to be making it between them and Chelsea I would have thought and that game between the two of them is coming up in the league and also to say as well the SSE um, FA Cup final is on the horizon too. Yeah the women's FA Cup final with SSE, Arsenal versus Chelsea again and I think we're going to be sitting in a very special box Lindsay I don't really want to say in case it doesn't happen but I'm very excited you might need a hat, I might need to practice how to curtsy but we'll hold that thought until it actually happens. Anyway before we get carried away with buying new outfits let's look at what's happening throughout the football league Snakes and ladders, this one's called, Lindsay. Although the fate of some teams has been decided, there's still plenty to battle it out throughout the leagues. So we're going to play snakes and ladders for the remaining spots to be decided. Who's going to climb to the top and who will slide down to the leagues below? Uh, Let's start with League Two. We know the promotion's been assured for Northampton. The two other automatic promotion spots, there's three in League Two, of course, have got to be decided between Accrington, Oxford and Bristol Rovers. Okay, Accrington have got for their final game Stevenage at home, Oxford have got Wickham at home and Bristol Rovers have got Dagenham and Redbridge at home. So great that they've all got home fixtures. It's so hard to call this one. On form, Oxford United not as convincing as Accrington or Bristol Rovers. But for me, they've reached the Johnston's Paint Trophy final. I know that they were defeated there, but I just fancy Oxford to go and do it. There's something about the team this season that tells me 
that they're going to go and do it. So one of the places for me goes to Oxford. Lindsay, who fills the other? Well, it's difficult because you've gone for Oxford, even though Accrington are got a point above Oxford and they're two points above Bristol Rovers. But I think Bristol Rovers will beat Dagenham and Redbridge. There's no doubt about that at home. And that will be their swan song. Accrington, I, I think Stevenage are always a difficult side. I know they haven't had the best season. They're down in 19th on 47 points, but they're always set up very well. They're one of the hardest working teams in terms of fitness. So I think that will see them through right till the end of the season. It could be that they drop points. Now, they might not lose that game, but they could draw against Stevenage. Giving them only one point would put them on 85. Three points for Bristol Rovers would put them on 85, and then it would come down to goal difference. So it could be Bristol Rovers on goal difference. Mm. They have at the moment an advantage of four goals over Accrington. I think the pressure's on Accrington, and I'm not sure, as the Bristol Rovers boss pointed out a couple of days ago, the pressure's off them. So I think that you're right. Oxford United and Bristol Rovers for us. We'll see whether we're correct. Quick note on who's been relegated outside the Football League, Dagenham and Redbridge and York. Cheltenham, of course, um, one of the teams promoted up to League Two. And final day of the season, um, for me, I'm at Wimbledon, already assured of a playoff place along with Plymouth, Portsmouth and whoever out of the other three drops down. Um, so that'll be the playoffs assured. And I, I do think whoever takes the momentum in, usually it's one of the teams that is in sixth or seventh that ends up doing really well in the playoffs. It could be Wimbledon. Mm. OK, let's move on to League One. So what's been assured here? Let's look at relegation, first of all, shall we? So we've just come from League Two. So definitely relegated Colchester and Crew. Doncaster, it's still mathematically possible for them to stay in the league, but it will be pretty difficult for them to do so because of their minus goal difference. Mm. And then, really, it's between Fleetwood and Blackpool as to who's going to go down with those four teams. Fleetwood have got Crew at home, Blackpool, Peterborough away. We know what's happening at Blackpool. You know, again, more more protests before the game at the weekend you know when a team starts to capitulate down the leagues and it's almost and, and I'm not going to accuse Blackpool fans of this but it's almost like fans say this is how bad it is and we're warning you that it's going to get worse unless you do something so for some Blackpool fans I've spoken to it's almost like do you know what we should go down because then maybe the club would sort itself out maybe someone will come in and really look at our side I think it will be as is I think the four that are in the bottom four spots at the moment will all be relegated and I think Blackpool are going yeah alright well let's look at cheerier things towards the top of the league Wigan we know have achieved one of the automatic promotion spots the other spot is up for grabs between Burton um, who have a three-point lead over Walsall who are in third so so Burton would need to lose Walsall would need to win and by some margin when you look I think Burton are gonna go up with Wigan and then we look in the playoffs and it's really difficult because Scunthorpe have an outside chance so did Gillingham of making it into the playoffs mm. yeah looking at their recent form Gillingham have, have had four losses and a draw in the last five games. Do they deserve to be in the playoffs with that amount of recent poor form? Who knows? Just a quick note, by the way, that the goal difference between Burton and Walsall is only three. So if Burton were to lose and Walsall were to win by three clear goals, it could happen. Barnsley, they've got Wigan away. Scunthorpe have got Sheffield United away. God, it's just, it's just anyone's this, isn't it? It's so hard to predict who's going to make that uh, final playoff place. We do know, of course, that Walsall, Millwall and Bradford are definitely in the playoffs. I think Millwall will have a say as well with Gillingham because they're in such good form at the moment. I can't see them slipping up against Gillingham. So I do think it will be a shootout between Barnsley and Scunthorpe. And both of them have away fixtures. Who travels the best? There's not much in goal difference. It's going to be really tight. Mm. For me, we're going to have just won the league. Will they want to end it on a defeat? 
I don't think so. I think confidence is sky high. They've got nothing to lose. They're just going to go for it, Wigan, and try and end their season on a win. So, for that reason, Scunthorpe are going through to the playoffs for me. OK, let's dive into the championship table. This is a pretty easy one to talk about. In terms of relegation, Charlton, MK, Johns, Bolton, all relegated, that's a certain. In terms of the playoff places, well, they're all defined. Going up from six to top, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Hull. And then it's a straight fight. There's one automatic promotion place up for grabs and one playoff place. And it comes down to Middlesbrough and Brighton, who play each other. This is the game to watch, by the way, on the final day of the season. Can we call it hoops? I think it's really difficult to call it. I think nerves will be at play. Of course, you have to say that Middlesbrough are the favourites being at home at the Riverside. Brighton having to make quite a long journey there and also coming in with some disappointment from their last result. It's going to be a, a tough call, but anything could happen in this game. I do not want to call what will. I'm going to go for Middlesbrough. Just based on recent form and the fact that they're at home, I'm going to go with the stat sheet, which of course will be probably wrong. I would love it to be Brighton, but I'm going to go for Middlesbrough. Follow us on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get In. There's only one of us. OK, so more on where we are with the Premier League next week. Now it's time to, uh, well, we can in fact take this half-finished pizza with us, can't we, to the Vardy party. The infamous chance finally been realised, Lindsay. Vardy's having his party, or probably had his party and having several more, um, and we get to dish out the invites. So um, we get, you know, three or five invites each, as well as our own, um, to dish out. So outside, Ranieri and, of course, Vardy's teammates, I'd like from you guest list suggestions and why they're going to be given this golden invitation by you. I'm going to start off with an invitation that's quite fitting considering I'm eating pizza in an Italian restaurant. It's going to be the chef from San Carlo, the Italian restaurant that Claudio Ranieri loves so much, took his players to. They've been back again since. They must love that chef. Invite him along. Pretty obvious one to start off with, but it's got to be there. Edin Hazard, a gift from the halftime gods, handed Leicester at the Premier League, so he definitely gets an invite. My next invite goes to Elton John, and you're going to be raising your eyebrows thinking, what? He's a Watford fan. But I think they can remunerate him handsomely. They're going to be in for a big windfall, our Leicester City, having guaranteed Champions League football and being champions of the English Premier League. Money isn't an object at the moment. The tie owners, to be quite honest, you could throw a party, they'd throw any money at it, wouldn't they? So get Elton John along. And given the whole Twitter exchange that went on between Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy, where Harry Kane posted that picture of Lions, Spurs coming for Leicester, hunting them down. And Jamie Vardy had the last say by tweeting a picture of Mustafa who dies in the Lion King. I thought that was genius by him. Just one picture says it all. So Elton John, he can sing a mixture of a Hakuna Matata, no worries, Leicester City have none, and Circle of Life. Why not? <laughs> Very good. Well, you know when you hold your own party, Lindsay, and you feel at the end of the night either like you've not managed to speak to everyone or that you've not had a chance to enjoy yourself because you've been too busy speaking to everyone. So it's kind of opposite ends of the scale. So my solution for this is let's invite the Jamie Vardy lookalike, mm. Lee Chapman. He even managed to make it onto the Leicester bus, didn't he, I think, celebrating with fans outside at the King Power Stadium on Tuesday night. So, yeah, this is for you, Lee Chapman. This is when you get to meet, well, I suppose he's already met him already. But, yeah, the Jamie Vardy lookalike, not just because of the celebratory factor, but because he, he, can, he can do himself a really good job there helping old Vardy out. I love that they went along with him for the celebratory lunch. He's already been doing it, hasn't he? He'll be well-versed. I'm going to give you two next. They're both from last season, player of the season from last season, who everyone thought was going to be a big void to fill, myself included. 
Cambiasso, what a player he was last season. Danny Drinkwater flourishing in his absence. And we can't forget Nigel Pearson. He kept them in the Premier League. He is part of this process of them becoming champions, so he has to go along as well. Lots of betting stories surrounding Leicester City, so let's go with one chap, Lee Herbert, in a drunken moment during the summer holidays last year, put a £1 bet on Leicester winning the Premier League, then changed it to a fiver because he thought, if I'm going to do this, I might as well put a fiver on it. The next morning woke up and was laughing with his girlfriend about how he'd lost a fiver, basically. Little did anyone know, of course, with odds at 5,000 to 1, um, he was offered several cash-out opportunities during the season. He had a little wobble with nine games to go. He cashed in £2 of his £5 bet and got just over five and a half grand. Come the end of the season, the £3 that was still on won him over £20,000 enough for a deposit on a house. So Lee, Herb, Herbert, the drinks are on you and uh, you can really enjoy your moment. My final place goes to someone who remains nameless because I don't know who it is. They will have a name, but it's the person who scheduled the fixtures this season <laughs> for the Premier League and at the end of this season put Leicester City before Spurs. Spurs playing every Monday evening. I don't know who that scheduler is, but I think they might be an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I'm going to send Mark Zuckerberg to Jamie Vardy's party. Do you know why? He's celebrating too. Uh, Leicester City's Facebook page has grown by a massive 540%. That makes it one of the fastest growing accounts of any sports team globally. So as a thank you, Zuckerberg's going to be going to that party. You him to, to take a few pictures to put on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to send a couple more people. Buddhist monks. Apparently, uh, Buddhist monks were making regular visits from Thailand to Leicester to bless the pitch and hand out lucky talismans. They made a cloth as well, didn't they? A special cloth. Well, when Leicester went pre-season over to um, to Thailand and to Bangkok, they went to a temple um, and they were given by monks there amulets and talismans as well. So thank you very much uh, to the Buddhist monks. There's one in particular, Monk Phra from Mangkalachan. Well done. Thank you. Uh, deep breath. Who voiced particularly his pleasure at Leicester winning the league and the fact that um, he felt he might have had a small contributory factor. Final one for me is Mark Schwartz's cleaner. Now why on earth would you send Mark Schwartz's cleaner? She's still got nothing to do. He's the most decorated, undecorated player in history. He has to be. Not only did he win the title with Chelsea last season, but didn't pick up a medal because he didn't play. He's done the same with Leicester this season. So he's cleaner, she's got nothing to clean, so she's off to the party instead. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Letissier. And you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. All right, well, we're off to Vardy's parties, you can uh, probably guess. You can find us on Audio Boom and on iTunes every week. Thursday is our release day. Um, on YouTube, at the Offside Rule TV, at Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod as well. Plenty of updates there as we head towards the end of the season. Um, OffsideRulePodcast.com, our website. There's a great piece on Burnley and Sean Dyche, by the way, by one of our writers, Tom Simmons. And um, plenty of Football League stuff there to look at. Laura Jones, um, another great Football League writer um, who writes for us as well. And our Facebook page, plenty to find are the highlights on there, the Offside Rule. And and our um, daily 10 best football stories of the day, five mainstream ones and five off-the-wall ones. Uh, the Offside Daily is back, so do check that out. That's out every day of the week, Monday to Friday. Well, I've really enjoyed our Italian Vardy party outside in London, outside a, an Italian restaurant in the sunshine. And just so anyone knows, just to give you a little insight into what we're like as people, Kate has eaten no pizza and I've eaten my entire half of the pizza. I'm going to take a picture of this in a moment. I'm definitely not one of those girls that pushes salad round a plate. I've eaten my half. You better eat yours. The only reason I've not eaten any is because I've been talking too much, but I'm about to dive in. Dive in. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Yes! Oh, 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 oh yeah!
the offside rule we get it is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network.